Did you know that there's a connection between fear and trust? And in fact, trust is the antidote to fear. But how can we do that? What does that actually look like? We're going to talk about all that and more on today's episode. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? My goal for the She Hears Ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been praying about that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Thanks for joining me today. We are going through our devotional reading, our daily devotional reading of the Psalms. And today we're picking back up with Psalm 56, which is the Psalm of David, beginning in verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. All day long they press their attack. My slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? All day long they twist my words. They are always plotting to harm me. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, eager to take my life. On no account let them escape in your anger, O God. Bring down the nations. Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, O God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from assembling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So Psalm 56 is another psalm written by David, and it's written at a time when the Philistines 
had seized him uh, in, in a town called Gath. And this would be seen as a lament. Sometimes you hear it titled with this translation that says it's called a dove on distant oaks. And it's called that because it was used as a community lament. And that's what it was titled. We'll get into that in a minute. But what often happens with these laments is we don't necessarily get the details about what's going on. And the reason why the psalmist is lamenting in the first place is not always given in a lot of detail. But here we do have some detail in this this psalm. I want to start with verses 1, the end part of verse 1. It says, all day long they press their attack. And then verse 2, my slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. And then down in verse 5 and 6, all day long they twist my words. They're always plotting to harm me. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, eager to take my life. And what we're seeing here is that David's enemies have launched both a physical attack and a verbal attack against him. And so while Saul's pursuit of David was a physical threat to his life, there's this sense here that it's not just a, a a physical attack, but it's also a verbal attack. And sometimes um, verbal attacks can be just as hard as physical attacks. So as, as we know that David has been um, down in Gath and the Philistines have captured him. It's referring to the season when he was, um, it was recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and then also chapter 27. So you can go back and read those. But the, the writer for Samuel is not giving specific information about him being arrested by the Philistines. But what we do know is that David acted like a madman when he was in their hands. And you can go back and read that story. And so the implication there is that when he was acting like a madman, as part of that whole capture of uh, when Saul was pursuing him, th that's when he, they may have taken him into custody, or at the very least tried to manage his behavior. So that's kind of what we're putting two and two together and we're understanding here. So the title, A Dove on Distant Oaks, is probably the tune, the melody that the was the name of the song to which they put the, the words of the psalm to. And so most likely, we don't know for sure what that means, but most likely because this is known as a tune, it talks about um, in the titling, it talks about David being the director of music that indicates it was a song. We, we normally see that as the, the, the title, A Dove on Distant Oaks, was the music portion of that. And so that would have been something that the original readers would have known and understood. But the Greek talks about it, it being about people that were removed from the sanctuary. And so there's this implication where it's this perspective of people that had been removed from maybe Israel, this post-exilic perspective. We don't 100% know for sure, but that's kind of what most scholars are believing. One of the things that you will notice a lot repeated throughout this psalm is this idea and this connection between fear and trust. 
So in verse three, it says, when I am afraid, I trust in you. That's the first place we see it, but we see it throughout the Psalm. And I don't want to skip over that because what we're seeing here is this biblical concept that trust is the antidote for fear. And so when verse four says, in God, I trust and am not afraid, don't miss that connection there. Leaning in and trusting God is what removes fear from us. I think that's really important and something that we sometimes overlook. And David's perspective, which I think is pretty clear here throughout this psalm, is he's leaning into this and saying, okay, well, I trust God. What can man do to me? There's nothing man can do to me because I know where I'm going. I know this really, I'm confident in this relationship I have with God. I trust God. So what can man do to me? There's nothing. And so I love that perspective because it shows us this confidence he has in his relationship with God, which is something that God longs for us to have too, this confidence in our relationship. And, you know, one of the things I always liken it to is my relationship with my husband. You know, I trust my husband. I know that if um, I'm going through something, he's going to be there for me. And even it doesn't really matter if, you know, friends are mad at me or I say something, I put my foot in my mouth or whatever it is, because I always know I have this baseline of trust with my husband. He's always going to be there for me. And that's just a small, small example of the kind of trust we can have in our relationship with God because he, his kind of trust, it's, it's so far supersedes any kind of human capacity that we have for trust that, that we can rest with this confidence of knowing that he's going to be there to, to rise up, to defend us, to take care of us. And again, we see this repeated, this idea of this connection between trust superseding fear and trust being the antidote to fear. And the writers of Hebrews back in uh, later in in the New Testament that we would see, they even talk about this concept. The Hebrews, it says in chapter 11, verse one, it says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. And so what we understand is there, they may not be complete opposites, trust and fear, but they certainly are not partners. And so where there is trust, there generally has to be almost like a tinge of fear because fear is what prompts us to trust God. That's why we have to trust God. And so there's this dynamic that's going on where part of the human experience is is experiencing fear, but then surrendering that fear to God because we trust him and we know that he's trustworthy. And so we see this going on with David where he, I think, the fact that he is saying it several, several times throughout this psalm is this balance that he's trying to strike between this very human emotion of fear and then the very real aspect of knowing that God is trustworthy. One of the things I really appreciate about this psalm is that it's giving us this opportunity to deal with some of these deepest sorrows and deepest fears that kind of grow out of circumstances of life that we have all experienced from one time or another. And there's a unique experience that happens when we've had these moments. There's a uniqueness to that season where we can, in obedience, trust God in a way that's different than when things are going okay. There's a uniqueness about our relationship with God that we can only experience when we're in those seasons of suffering or fear. And once you've learned how to 
lean into that relationship and trust God in the face of fear, it changes the dynamic of your relationship with him. You get to a place where fear doesn't really matter anymore because you know historically the historic relationship that you've had with God is that he has shown up, he's shown himself faithful, and he's given you peace in the midst of that fear. And so it it's, makes it easier for you to step into other situations that you might be fearful of because you've seen him move and work despite your fear in the past. When we are going through times of fear and trouble, the comfort comes as we express our thanks for the promises of God's word. And those are the promises that offer help and instruction and guidance. That's where we put our trust. And so as we put our promises that that God has given us, putting his promises to us rather into practice, that pleases and honors God in a way that shows him that we long to be obedient in that area and that we trust him in that area. And so that trust, of course, then replaces fear. We find in that very special place this opportunity to receive God's help. And that gives us freedom. There's so much freedom, even in situations of fear, when we know that God is trustworthy. We don't have to be afraid when things are coming at us because what can we fear? What can man do to me? Because we know that God has got our back. There's there's a freedom that comes from that that is unlike anything else in the human experience. That idea that God is for me, so who can be against me? I want to point out something in verse 8 so you don't miss it. Uh, just because the, the translation here is a little bit different than what you might have read in the past. It says, record my lament, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? This idea of listing my tears in your scroll, sometimes you'll hear that translated as storing up my tears in a in your bottle. Um, th- it's this idea that God sees and he knows and he makes a note of all the things that happen to us that bring us sorrow or grief or fear or cause tears. And, and the point behind that, uh, of even making note of that, is for us to understand that God remembers and he treasures and he holds dear every single tear that is shed by his children. And for every single tough situation that we remain faithful to God in, there's an honor on the other side when we are with him in heaven. And And so when we go through these troubles... We can't forget that God views our experiences with compassion. There's there's no child of God that will ever go through disappointing experiences or illnesses or sleepless nights or financial stresses or problems at school or at home or at work or there's there's never a situation that God does not see and that God does not understand. And he works for the good of the believer, us as believers, because he's going to accomplish his good purposes throughout all the situations. You know, there was a story that I had shared a while ago that I think it might be appropriate to repeat here that there was a situation in my life as a child that it it was before I even came to faith in God and I maybe knew about God but I didn't know God and it was an abuse that was happening and I, I remember just being in this situation thinking well, I wasn't thinking, to be perfectly honest. I was not thinking about God. I think when I look after I became a Christian and I look back on that experience, 
I think of it as if maybe God was not involved in my life until I came to faith. I, I, I didn't get saved until I was 15. So in my mind, that's when God started working and operating in my life. And that's when the promises of God held true. Because it was too painful to think that God was present in my life before 15 because of the painful experiences and the abuses of my past that, that I was victim to. And as I was discussing that with my spiritual director, I, I I had this kind of breakthrough moment with her where she said, you know, perhaps God was there and it grieved him as much as he grieved, it grieved you because we live in this fallen sinful world and there's never a moment that we are alone, that he's always there with us. And yet what I've seen God do is he has rebuilt and restored those moments from my past. Of course, that is not God's plan for my life. We just live in this sinful, fallen world where humankind, mankind has free will to do evil if they choose to. And, and that's the, the dichotomy that we're constantly wrestling with as part of the human experience. And yet what I've seen God do is he has helped thousands of women because of the way that he helped me through and healed me through those painful experiences in my life. So much so that I can speak into the lives of other women and say, if he did it for me, he can do it for you too. And so that's kind of what I love about Psalm 56 is this picture that we have of a God that intervenes in our behalf. And he's the one that restores and redeems all things. And when we can lean into this place of trusting him, then what can man do to us? It doesn't matter what man can do to us because we trust in, in the God of the universe. So given that insight, I'm going to reread this. Psalm 56, be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me all day long. They press their attack. My slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God, I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? All day long, they twist my words. They are always plotting to harm me. They conspire. They lurk. They watch my steps, eager to take my life. On no account let them escape. In your anger, O God, bring down the nations. Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, O God. I will present my thank offerings to you for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. God, we thank you that you are a God that puts our feet on solid ground, that we could walk before you in the light of life. God, thank you that you have delivered us from death and you have kept our feet from stumbling. Lord, I pray that if we are resonating with any of this, as we are facing maybe moments of fear or uncertainty or sorrow, that we would trust you. What can man do to us? Because we trust in you. God, I thank you that you're trustworthy and that you long to have that place in our lives. I pray for my friends today that they would know how much they are loved by the God of the universe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friends, I just want to let you know that we have lots of great resources for you in the She Hears shop. So if you are looking for something to do after you finish the She Hears Bible study, or even if you would like a Bible to go along with the Psalm study that we're doing, we have lots of note-taking Bibles and journaling Bibles. There's kind of something for everyone in there. And a new thing we put in the shop is something I love. I use it with my teenage daughters, is the Real Pretty Bible 
books of the Bible markers. So you, they're little tabs you put on the outside of your Bible and they help you easily be able to see and flip to different books of the Bible. It's so helpful like for church or when you're doing a Bible study to easily be able to see where you're going. So I pray all those things are resources that you will find helpful. And again, you can find those at shehears.org on the resources page. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.